from the number one convention, sports, and entertainment destination in the world. I'm your host, Parker Hendricks, and this is The Authorcast. Some of our greatest moments have been acts of courage for which no one could have ever prepared. We will always remember the words of that brave man expressing the spirit of a great country. We will never forget all we have lost and all we are fighting for. Ours is the cause of freedom. We've defeated freedom enemies before, and we will defeat them again. We cannot know every turn this battle will take, yet we know our cause is just and our ultimate victory is assured. We will no doubt face new challenges, but we have our marching orders. My fellow Americans, let's roll. The words you just heard from President George W. Bush during an address he made to a group of first responders at the Georgia Royal Congress Center shortly after the attacks of September 11, 2001. On today's episode, we will look back on that moment and explore opportunities to serve in the community as we look to honor and remember those who were lost 20 years ago. My first guest is the Georgia Royal Congress Center Authority's Emergency Preparedness Manager, Mark Vincent. We discuss his background, his memories of the speech President Bush gave that night, and how the events of 9-11 shaped his decision to become an emergency manager. Later, I will be joined by the volunteer program manager of the Atlanta Community Food Bank, Jonathan James, to discuss their collaboration with the 9-11 Day Foundation and Hands on Atlanta to organize a meal pack at the George Royal Congress Center in observance of the federally recognized September 11 National Day of Service and Remembrance. As always, thank you for listening and supporting the Authorcast. You can listen, rate, and subscribe to all episodes at gwcca.org slash theauthorcast. Before we get to the interviews with Mark and Jonathan, I want to dedicate this episode to the 2,996 victims in New York City, Arlington, Virginia, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, their families, and survivors of the attacks on September 11, 2001. May we never forget. I am honored to be joined today on the Authorcast by the GWCCA Emergency Preparedness Manager, Mark Vincent. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Parker. I'm honored to be here. So I'm excited to have Mark today, uh, and this is something that I've always wanted to do, but I wanted to wait um, to discuss what you do here at the Authority a little closer to September 11th. And the reason I'm going to open up the hood a little bit, the reason for that is uh, a part of my job as a marketing specialist here is archival work i'm always looking for to show historical things that have happened and when i first started working here i was told uh that president bush gave this very famous speech uh right after 9 11 here at the congress center and i i but can never find anybody um to talk to it or had seen a clip of it so last year for the 19th anniversary of september 11th we found the clip on c-span we posted that to our Facebook channels and Mark shared it to his personal and let people know that he was there that night. And when I, when I saw that, I knew I had to come talk to him and we spoke and, and what came that was a great 
came out of that was a great conversation about how that night kind of in that the events of September 11th led you to this career in emergency management. So I want to get started there. So September 11, 2001, you were you were on staff, but you were not in the current role. What were you doing at that time? Yeah, so at the time, uh, I was part of the security division here and uh, was a sergeant, uh, so a supervisor over uh, our security division and uh, handled at the time, uh, you know, uh, patrol and, and, and crime prevention and things like that is a little different structure back in those days on what security did here most of our security staff was uh was certified so uh we uh we had a different little different role than the security does these days but yeah i was on staff that day and uh came in on 9-11 after i saw the second plane hit the tower uh prior to that i was uh at home and i had went and got my hair cut and when the first plane hit like most people in the world, I thought, well, maybe a little touring Cessna, you know, a tourist Cessna hit the tower. And uh, so by the time I got home from getting my hair cut, you know, I turned CNN on like everybody else in the world. And uh, and then saw that second plane hit. And at that point, knew that our country was under attack. So that that's when I put my uniform on and, and immediately came to work. Was there uh was there a convention in the building or a show or were there were there were there guest attendees here in the in the building? Yeah, there there was a, a an event in progress and I, and the event name escapes me right now, but uh yeah, a large event in uh, building B and uh but by the time that I had gotten here the news had spread and people were leaving and and heading to the airport and heading to the rental car companies and uh and and really uh just a sense of uh, of chaos and nervousness and all on the part of our attendees and our staff was taking place. Uh, it was a it was a very uncertain time in our country uh, on nine eleven. Yeah, I remember it vividly. I, I remember what you said earlier about how the the first when the first plane hit, you thought, oh, it's a it's a small prop jet or it's a private plane or something. I remember I was in I was in school at the time, and I remember we were walking to class and I looked in one of the, the classrooms and it said world trade center on fire. And I didn't think anything about it. Just thought, Oh, this building's on fire. And then 30, 45 minutes later, they come and tell us in class what had happened. And I, I'll, you know, chaos, you know, ensued there too. Cause you just didn't know what was going on. Um, so that was where you were on September 11th. You were in the building, um, here. I, wanted to speak to you a little bit about the speech that president bush gave that night um that was a few months later correct yeah it was it was uh in november so almost two months to the date uh when president bush uh came to our campus and gave that famous speech from the stage of the thomas murphy ballroom uh and it was uh it, it was wonderful to to hear that speech uh you know when he arrived we, you know, we had worked with the Secret Service, and and I was able to actually meet him that night and shake his hand, and then to hear that speech uh, up in the Thomas Murphy Ballroom, surrounded by other first responders and 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 military uh, folks, uh, was just uh, it, it brought a lot of a lot of comfort to a lot of us that uh, you know we're still uh, kind of nervous about the the state of affairs of our country. So he brought a lot of comfort there. Uh, talked about the resiliency 
of the United States of America, uh, and uh, and certainly uh, the patriotism uh, that at that time we were experiencing was it's just unprecedented. I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, you know, my grandparents they compared it to uh, to to you know World War II times when we uh, ultimately won World War II, as that's how it was. You know, one of the legacies of, of 9-11, and there's, there's a lot and a lot to be discussed here, and that's, you know, for other conversations, but one thing you always heard was that 9-11 was the crux of people's decisions to change their career, whether, you know, you heard people went to went and enlisted, went to the recruiting office the next day and enlisted, or wanted to, decided to join the intelligence, intelligence community or become law enforcement or a firefighter or a first responder you kind of have a similar story. So I know you in law enforcement, we discussed that earlier, but what, you know, you, you changed your career based off that. Yeah, it absolutely altered the, the focus of my career and, and the course. Uh, you know, I was very interested in the financial crimes and cyber crime that was just coming uh, to relevancy at that time. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed that kind of work because it was very detailed, uh, complex, and uh, and that was very satisfying to me. But uh, because of, of 9-11 and uh, I did not know what to do and I didn't understand what was going on, like most of the country, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hated that feeling. And, uh, and I made the determination at that moment uh, that I'm not going to feel like this anymore. I'm going to you know, figure out a way to, to be involved and to really change, uh, you know, my life and my career and really get involved and learn how I can, can bring, you know, order out of chaos, how I can understand what's going on, how I can, uh, assist, you know, others in times of, of great strife, like we experienced on nine 11. So that was a, a pretty immediate change. You you realized that you wanted to go into you know the emergency management side pretty quickly. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I had looked at emergency management a little bit in the past, but uh, at uh, a- until nine eleven, really, I, I did not uh, uh, plan on going in that direction. But uh, immediately after nine eleven, I would say you know the you know probably two or three days afterwards, I was like, I- I've got to get involved and I've got to figure out uh, a different career path where I can help others uh, either in preventing something like this, or if it does happen, how I can uh, help others understand it and how we can help work our way through this. Yeah. So you, w- with your training, you started immediately with that, then where, you know, your career, you, you start, you were with us, you, you are back with us, but you, you've had a really interesting career in between. Yeah. Uh, so after uh, after nine eleven, I immediately, like I said, started my emergency management training, and the uh, director of public safety, police chief at the time here, Alan Davis, he he wholeheartedly supported that and encouraged that, and uh, and so continued on uh, through two thousand four, and then in two thousand four, uh, I was uh, able to uh, to accept an offer to open up the Georgia Aquarium. So I started at the Georgia Aquarium about eight months before it opened and uh, and really got to design all the security architecture in there, the infrastructure, develop policies, emergency procedures for the for the Georgia Aquarium. Uh, so really, uh, really a great opportunity for me. And 
the greatest thing about that was Bernie Marcus, who is a benefactor uh, of the Georgia Aquarium. Uh, he bankrolled it all. So a billionaire bankrolling your your security planning is definitely a wonderful thing. Yeah, probably a rare opportunity. I Absolutely, guess. and I took full advantage of it. And, uh, <laughs> and 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 we called him Bernie Bucks. And uh, and Bernie certainly uh, came forward with bucks when it came to security. That's awesome. So from the aquarium, you started your career. You started back with the career with the state, correct? So yep. Yeah, uh, after two years and eight months uh, at the aquarium, uh, I went. Uh, uh, back to state government so over at the georgia emergency management homeland security agency or gema for short uh started there in 2007 uh, as the program director over the critical infrastructure protection unit uh so kind of some responsibilities there we uh we we did risk assessments of all the uh, uh nationally and and state significant infrastructure in the state of georgia um uh, and you can imagine what that is and then we looked at uh, how to protect those and how to train the folks there at the infrastructure sites and local law enforcement, how to protect them. So a lot of anti-terrorism training that we delivered. Uh, and after that role there at GEMA, uh, took another role, um, the executive officer role. And in that role, I, I really uh, began my professional development from uh, being able to examine from a state agency head uh, level uh, how an organization is run and so a lot of valuable insight there we introduced uh, a lot of legislation underneath the you know the gold dome the capital uh, state capital so we were constantly over there working with our uh, elected officials in the governor's office things like that so really eye-opening and uh, and really helped me advance from a uh, from an executive level uh, to understand how uh, our state agencies really operate and uh, after that position, I was uh, again promoted uh, to the assistant director of our Homeland Security Division. So in that role, any programs and projects that were assigned to the Homeland Security Division came under me. Uh, and that include all, all of the terrorism response and, and planning. Um, uh, our critical infrastructure unit, again, that uh, you know fell under, under my purview as well. Uh, grants. Uh, Homeland Security grants, we would uh, review uh, applications for grants and based on uh, where we needed to build capability in the state to prevent terrorist attacks, uh, we would award grants to specific law enforcement agencies or fire departments, uh, things like that, uh, to further enhance the capabilities in the state of Georgia and uh, protect uh, our communities against terrorist attacks. So, uh, so after GEMA, uh, you know, or while at GEMA, I actually had a colleague who, who said, hey, Mark, uh, the Georgia World Congress Center is looking for an emergency manager. And uh, so, you know, I had no plans to ever leave GEMA. Uh, but uh, certainly when I heard that, I was very intrigued about the, uh, that, that position because it had never been here before. So, and, and, and I, for one, having assessed... Uh, this site many, many times in, in my career at GEMA understood the need for a position like that here. So immediately I was intrigued, but again, you know, I was happy at GEMA. Uh, but the more I started thinking about it and the more I started researching it, um, really the more, um, the more I wanted to, to come back over here. Uh, and I think my past experience in the convention business when I, you know, started out in state government here for 13 years, uh, and then my 13 years in emergency management, really the, 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 
the melding of those two, uh, you know, my background there really, you know, it, it, it kind of lended credence to, you know, Mark, it, it, that that's your plan for, for your future is going back over to the World Congress Center. So I continued looking in and continued researching and, and really two, two things, uh, well, three things uh, really uh, convinced me to come over. Uh, I reply, and fortunately, I was uh, awarded the, uh, the the position. Uh, but the first thing, it was new, brand mm-hmm. new, and I like leading, uh, blazing a trail, uh, and and starting, and being able to, like I said, bring order to chaos. And uh, so I enjoyed it being new. Uh, plus, uh, I, I knew about Frank Poe's background uh, through the IVM and his various positions, and then uh, you know, as one of the the primary founders and then the dean of the academy for venue safety and security. So that was very important. I knew his background working with that and uh, their, how they had partnered with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security uh, to really uh, up the, the, the level of uh, preparedness for the convention industry. And then, of course, uh, the, the next uh, thing that I looked at was who would I be working for? And, uh, and I found out that Paul Garucci was the police chief over here, recently uh, became the police chief and the director of public safety, and that would be my direct boss. And, of course, uh, uh, Paul and I had worked together uh, when I was at GEMA, and he was with Atlanta Police on some, uh, some Atlanta-specific terrorism-related projects uh, and uh, knew he was an extremely capable leader. Uh, and then, of course, uh, his legendary status as a, as a homicide unit commander with Atlanta PD. So I, I reached out to him and had a couple of conversations with him, and uh, and and really, it would it just you know it, it just seemed to work out perfectly. And uh, so when I you know interviewed and was awarded the position, I was uh, extremely excited to be over here and uh, very happy to this day. Yeah, I think we're we're extremely blessed to have the leadership of of mr poe and chief gurucci I, I know that they are legends in their industries and they're wrong and just to have them you know be here and have safety and security be so top of mind for our organization is so important which from what i understand we're kind of unique in the convention industry we have our own police force and of course your position was new to us when we hired you back uh is that unique within our industry or well you- the my position is uh is certainly somewhat unique uh as it stands now in the convention industry uh but uh my role and and you know we we craft ourselves as a the championship campus mm-hmm. and, and that's how i look at us as a campus because we've got multiple sites uh you know on 220 acres in in the middle of downtown atlanta so uh, certainly a, a a very successful campus, uh, but uh, as far as campuses are concerned, after the uh, Virginia Tech shooting in 2007, where 32 people were killed on that campus, they uh, they really identified the need for emergency management. They had always had a police department and a and a and a, a good response element, but never a uh, a preparation and mm-hmm. training and things you know that that emergency management focuses on. So. Uh, and after that, uh, most academic campuses in the United States really started uh, focusing on emergency management and not just a response. And then, uh, you know, in 2010, uh, business campuses kind of followed suit. They're like, hey, well, you know, we get hit with tornadoes. We get hit with uh, severe thunderstorms, with ice storms. 
Uh, and, and then, of course, the threat of active shooter and, and other man-made disasters was always relevant. Mm-hmm. So uh, very uh, you know, forward-thinking, innovative companies like Google, Apple, uh, you know, Amazon, they started hiring emergency managers for their campuses, uh, their business campuses to, to protect, to better protect against uh, natural and man-made disasters. So, uh, of course, you know, like I said, uh, we're unique in the convention industry, but that's just another way that the Georgia World Congress Center Authority is leading our industry uh, with innovative and, and forward thinking. Do you think, and thank you for sharing that, do you think that um more convention industries have, i mean have you have you spoken to other leaders about the, uh, the security teams and other places about maybe bringing somebody like you on at their at their facility yeah we uh you know in, in our industry uh, a lot of times uh security directors uh they most most have some type of protective force yeah. uh, that responds to incidents things like that and uh, and I see more and more bringing on uh, you know some type of of position where they have kind of a dual role where they look at uh, not only the security response or the pub you know public safety response but but also start focusing in a, a little more on emergency planning. Uh, so I'm happy to see that we're kind of turning the curve in yeah. the emergency management slash convention industry where those two are yeah. are becoming more uh, you you know more involved with each other. And uh, really, you know, protecting the the, the convention industry uh, through emergency management is going to be a key to continued success in our industry. Because they are very separate things, correct? Absolutely, yeah. You know, security, uh, police, emergency management, they, they are all defined roles uh, and uh, unique and, and have separate intentions. Yeah. One of the things that I, that I enjoy about working here is that I obviously, because of the work that you and Chief and y'all's department does, feel safe working here. I, I, if there's a if there's a threat, a credible threat that that you can let us know, you let us know through communication through different ways, and you kept us up abreast of the current COVID information throughout the pandemic. And and uh, you know, anytime there's a anytime there's a flood or you know s- severe weather coming, we know because uh, you're letting us know. So. I, you you discuss that and and I, I know that our clients who come to shows should should know that that we have guys on our team that are that are doing a great job and will keep you safe um work hard to keep you safe you you t- you talked a lot about some of the high, a lot of the high level stuff that you do to keep our campus safe generally do you work with individual shows to help build safety plans or is there any of that involved or or is there an opportunity for for sh- if a meeting planner is listening right now and maybe didn't know that you were here, um, what are those opportunities to actually work with the clients? Yeah, we, uh, you know, any any of our clients that uh, that that want to uh, want to have a, a detailed emergency operations plan or incident uh, action plan, we can develop those for them, uh, and uh, and certainly. We require a lot of the contract security companies that that work with our clients to submit what we call an event action plan, and then we've got some parameters in that event action plan that uh, that those contractors have to meet, and uh, and we review it for thoroughness and for safety and things like that. But then, as a follow-on, you know, we've got some uh, you know some some 
some things that are unique here, like our emergency operations center. Uh, it is, uh, you know, there's 159 counties in the state of Georgia, and I've visited almost every one of them that have an emergency operations center. And by far, ours is uh, is one of the most advanced in the state of Georgia. And uh, so that is something that we kind of do things like that behind the scenes that our clients never even know about. We live track weather constantly. We live track, uh, you know, any type of man-made threats, you know, and, and certainly those things that we do behind the scenes to keep our clients safe, they really never even know about. And, uh, and, and that's great. And, uh, at, but of course, you know, on, uh, on some of our, our more, uh, prevalent, uh, threats, you know, I think back in 2017, when I was brand new back here, uh, Ash was in the building and, uh, and we had a historic snowfall in December when they were during their show. And, uh, and of course I worked with, uh, with Bill Reed and, and his group over there with Ash and we, uh, and we worked with our city partners to get roads cleared, routes from the hotels cleared and things like that. So the relationships that, that I've brought with me from GEMA uh, certainly benefit the authority and uh, we're able to get things done uh, that, that otherwise might not have been able to get done, you know, when working with our state and local partners to, to, to like I said, during Ash to clear routes from the hotels and things like that, where otherwise, you know, we, we might not have been able to get that done uh, without those relationships. So, so I, you know, you, you were talking about you're always monitoring and stuff that your clients never know about. I guess that's the hope is a lot of times you hope you never have to talk to them about. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, you know, part of my job and it's almost counterintuitive for, for, for an organization like ours where we, we plan and execute some of the most perfect and, and greatest events mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, and I'm part of that planning and, and, and very happy to do that. But I also plan for our worst days. Uh, and that is very counterintuitive for a lot of our folks here. Uh, they don't want to think about that and those, and they don't have to, those are the things that I think about and I've developed, uh, specific plans to address, uh, you know, a variety of threats to our campus. And, uh, you know, we look at an all hazards approach and, uh, and we are prepared uh, and, and we train and we exercise kind of like a coach with this playbook, you know, you, you develop your plays, then you train your players and then you exercise and then you execute if needed. Uh, so that's exactly what we do. You know, we, we've got a great emergency operations plan in place that addresses all hazards. Uh, and, uh, and, and we certainly train on it and, uh, and we exercise, you know, several times a year. So we've got one coming up in October, as a matter of fact. Yes, sir. Um, we'll look back, you know, 20 years ago, you were here when September 11th happened. That became, you know, the crux of you going into emergency preparedness. Um, do you, and you know, you're back. Do you view that as kind of a full circle situation? Yeah, I, I do really, it, it, you know, like I said, uh, you know, when I went to GM, uh, it, it really elevated my professional development uh, mm-hmm. to a level uh, that very few people in the nation have. And, and I'm not bragging on myself uh, because I, I'm as hard-headed as anybody. And luckily, GEMA is such a, uh, a, a wonderful organization that they took the time to train me and prepare me uh, to handle, you know, uh, 
our worst days, you know, and I've done it a lot there at, you know, at GMO tornadoes and, and ice storms and hurricanes and, you know, uh, threats to, uh, the port, uh, and some of that, you know, can't go into a lot of details on that, but some, cause it's classified, but some things like that, that, uh, you know, that we, we stood up the state operations center and I prepared for that. And, you know, my role in the state operations center, uh, from the time I was there to, to the time I left was either the operations section chief, which means operational kind of control over all aspects of the response or either the, uh, incident commander. So, uh, very honored to hold those titles there. Uh, when we were in, uh, when we were wearing our, uh, you know, our emergency management hat and, and had the state operations center activated and responding and, uh, and actively helping people and saving lives. So yeah, I've, I've, I've done that, but then to be able to come back here and bring that level of, of expertise to this organization, um, it, it just means the world to me because, you know, I got my start here. So I've always viewed the world Congress center as my, as, as my home, as, near and dear to me. And, uh, even, you know, my time at GEMA, you know, we, we did a lot of assessments of this site and, and we brought a lot of resources onto this site because there is a, uh, you know, a, a constant threat to an organization like ours and our campus like ours that hosts a lot of people and a lot of special events. And, uh, and I take it very personally to provide the greatest level of safety and protection that I can to the community that I serve. And, and right now it's, it's our campus. That's the community I serve. And, uh, and I take that uh, responsibility very seriously. Well, Mark, uh, I thank you for all that you do. Like I said, I know that the place I work is safe because of the work that you guys are doing. And I, and I feel that, um, every time that I come into the office, I, um, you know, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story uh, about September 11th and and being in the building that night. I think it's so important for us to continue to tell these stories. You know that we never forget that day. Um, before you go, I just is there anything else you want to say about that, or you know anything that we might have missed today? Yeah, no, I mean, I think we've covered most of it, Parker. I, you know, I will say this that that certainly 9/11 altered the the course of my career. You know, I was going in one direction, and then after that, I, I certainly changed directions. And uh, it's been, you know, a, a wonderful, frustrating, aggravating, very re- rewarding career uh, so far. You know, I've since uh, since 1992, you know, almost 30 years, I've been, you know, in the in the safety and security business, and uh, and certainly the emergency management side of what I've done has been by far the most rewarding. And I feel that, uh, you know, that through my efforts, uh, the citizens and the communities that I serve are, are certainly safer than when I found them. And, uh, you know, if that's the legacy that I can leave when I, when I finally do decide to, to hang it up, that's, uh, that's all anybody could wish for is leaving it a little bit better than you found it. Yep. Absolutely. Mark. Well, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate, um, the job that you do for us. And now my conversation with Jonathan James from the Atlanta Community Food Bank. I am joined today by Jonathan James, the Volunteer Program Manager at the Atlanta Community Food Bank. Thank you so much for coming on to the AuthorCast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and the role that you have at the food bank and then also what your background is in. 
Yeah. So like you said, my name is Jonathan James. I'm the volunteer program manager for the Atlantic Community Food Bank. Uh, I've got a background that's pretty much nonprofit volunteer connection. I love connecting people's heart with the work and how to make sure that we're feeding the community that we're in, uh, making a difference. Um, and that's what I do at the food bank. I really help to connect people interested in volunteering and serving at the food bank or in the community uh, with the work that we're doing and, and helping the hungry people of Atlanta. That's great. I, and thank you for all that you do in our city. I know that the work is uh, important and it never stops. Yeah. Um, well, the reason why we wanted you on this episode today is we're talking about, you know, the impact that 9-11 has had on us 20 years later. And I know you guys are partnered with the, the 9-11 day organization uh, to do, to do this food job that we'll be talking about. Can you discuss a little bit about that partnership and what that organization does? Yeah. Yeah. So the 9-11 day organization, uh, it's a national campaign really uh, transforming the anniversary of September 11th. Um, we want to, they want to make it into a national day of service all about unity and peace um, and it's a really incredible way to to honor and remember uh, that day. So I, I, from what I understand is they've been doing these food drives uh, for a while on this day. Is this the first time that you guys have partnered with them or has this been a No, so we actually started a partnership with them in okay. 2019. Um, and there was a little pause in 2020, uh, yeah. but we're happy to be partnering again with them in 2021. Um, so... On this day of the event, what can volunteers expect? Yeah, so it's an exciting, fun day of packaging dry uh, product um, that, that will be put into bags, heat sealed, and then uh, put into boxes and then uh, sent to the food bank where we help to distribute it uh, across the city uh, to people who are in need. Cool. So so the food, the food that will be packed will go um, throughout the Atlanta community, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So over the course of the day, volunteers are going to pack about 200,000 meals there, um, and then it'll be given to the, the Atlanta Community Food Bank, which I'm with. Um, and, and it's um, planned in conjunction with Hands on Atlanta. So it's a real collaboration with organizations all throughout Atlanta for uh, bettering the city. Um, and it's just all about local citizens and committing to making the anniversary of 9-11 uh, better for our neighbors. Yeah. And I think that's important. Um, yeah. you know, we were, we were all impacted by that day one way or the other. Um, and I think it's cool that, that 20 years later, there's these organizations that exist of, Hey, we're going to take this terrible day in our history of our country and try to right. do good with it. And right. I think that's so important. Um, are there still opportunities available for people to sign up to volunteer? Um, Absolutely. So to register for the event and see what shifts have volunteer slots still available, um, individuals can visit Eventbrite. Uh, volunteers do need to pre-register for the event and provide proof of full COVID-19 vaccination in order to participate. Um, children over 12 can participate, but uh, must register individually and be able to show proof of uh, vaccination. And uh, masks are going to be required uh, by all volunteers. We just want to make sure we're as safe as we possibly can be while while having a fun time. Uh, so it, you you must you must register to yes. be able to show up. Yeah. And if you're if you're not registered, you will be turned away. Is that the understanding? That is the plan. Um, okay. We want everyone to pre-register. Uh, hopefully, 
uh, everyone who joins will have been pre-registered. But on the day of, um, there will probably be ways for people to get connected, but we really are wanting everyone to make sure they pre-register beforehand. Uh, we would hate to turn anyone away because the shift is too full. And, and um, I, I would love for, I, I know you mentioned it a little bit, and I know the 9-11 day is, is, is so important, but the work that you guys do doesn't stop there. Um, I, I'm sure you're, I know you're always looking for volunteers. Is there a way for our listeners to, to learn more about the food bank and, and ways that they can help? Absolutely. Um, so anybody can visit acfb.org to learn more about the food bank, the work that we're doing. Uh, we're helping to feed individuals through the 29 counties in northeastern Georgia, uh, such a massive area that we're just trying to make a difference each and every day. Uh, we partner with more than 700 agencies uh, throughout that region to help distribute food to those people that are in need. Um, and we are always looking for more volunteers to help, um, especially right now, uh, as we're still kind of in the midst of things. Um, we, we want people who are willing to come out and safely help make a difference. Um, and you can do that by visiting acfb.org. Uh, thank you for that. One, one last thing. Are you accepting, do you accept individual donations of food product? Is that, what are the items in need currently? Yeah, so a lot of times think shelf-stable products, uh, but you can visit acfda.org, and during uh, one of those pages, you will be able to see the items that we have the greatest need for. Um, but one of the greatest things that, that we like to tell people is that um, a dollar can go so much further, uh, where you might go to the store and spend a dollar to buy a can. Um, by donating a dollar to the food bank, we can turn that one dollar in, into four meals. And so it goes just that much further by putting it together. Thank you, Jonathan. I, I, I want to thank you again on behalf of the Georgia World Congress Authority for, for uh, what you guys do in our city. And, and I know that you're a partner of ours and we've, we've, we've volunteered there a few times and continue to do that. And looking forward to the event on September 11th and giving back to the community. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. Yeah.